welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, I want to encourage you in this, but a couple of weeks ago, the Lord, well, let me take you back. I received a a few prophetic words um, and I felt the Lord called me into a fast over those words. Because I need you to understand tonight, first and foremost, destiny does not just happen. Doesn't just happen. So many of us have this thing where we're like, God's sovereign. And so let's cross our fingers, cross our legs. We're crossing toes, we're double jointed. We're crossing everything, my hair's crossed. Because we're hoping that destiny will just happen. But you gotta realise that there is also another parallel happening to God's plan. That is the enemy's plan. And so often I really believe that we live lives where we just keep hitting lids keep hitting lids because truly the issue that we're facing is more a spiritual lid than anything else. And so I felt these prophetic, well, I've received these prophetic words. Some of them were over our church, but I felt the Lord call me into a, into a time of prayer and fasting and praise God for food at the end of that. How good's food? Not even really the hunger, it's the convenience. You know what I mean? It's the walking into the, it's breaking the cycle of walking to the pantry and going, a oh, peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> yes, please. Anyway, I'll keep moving. Oh. Yeah, appreciate and hunger. But I think the Lord did many, many, um, I suppose crazy life-changing things in that season of prayer and fasting. One of the prayers that I've had is for an increased measure of God's presence in what we do. Every time we gather, and this is why like you look around, this is like maybe 10% of our church, praise God for it. Thank you so much for being here, by the way, it's awesome. But the effort's worth it, even if there were just 10 people, even if it was just this front row. And the reason is, is because God never works with the majority. He always works with the minority either, anyway. And so God is looking in this time for a people that would stoke their own appetite and separate, consecrate themselves from the things of this life and separate themselves unto Him and truly come to a place where they would say, God, here I am. I've been mixed up with the world a little too much. 
but here I am. And the cool thing about God is that, the great thing about God, the gracious thing about God is that whenever we open our hearts towards Him, He's faithful to respond. And I, it's, it's my desire that we as a church kind of stop just skirting around the edges of just kind of the Word and preaching topics and, and the fringes of just like, hey, this is how you, we've got to mature beyond a stage in our Christianity where all we're trying to deal with is surface level issues. How to control our emotions. You know, some of these, they're, they're big things, they're important things when we all need to continue to grow in them until we come into the perfection of Jesus. But there's some deeper things that our lives must start uh, realising are there. Otherwise, we are gonna be a church that is extremely anemic. Because often my observation is that a lot of the preaching and a lot of the the, the um environments that we sit in for teaching and impartation, they're just really dealing with superficial things. And I have a feeling, I have a feeling, in fact, I have a conviction that if we keep living like that, we're gonna have a very anemic church. We're gonna have a church that look like Christians, Timothy says. They look like they have the form of godliness, but there's no power present. And there's no power because we are so anchored in this three-dimensional world that we fail to realise that destiny doesn't just happen, but we must lean into the part of who we are that is more spiritual than natural, that is more spirit than soul and body. And we must lean into this place and understand that there are spiritual laws that have a significant impact on the fruit of our lives. Are you with me? And so over this series, over the next couple of weeks, as we talk about really about stewardship, to be honest with you, the actual topic that I wanna talk about is around spiritual laws. Spiritual laws. And a lot of the time, right, like for example, as we've, in a healthy way, deconstructed the prosperity gospel, which needed to happen. And that's not that God's, God isn't a God that blesses, He is. But the, the Western church have used that as a mechanism to generate income. <laughs> and it's not that God, I feel the spirit of delete coming on this message right now, the spirit of emails, people emailing. But it's not that God isn't about blessing people. Absolutely, He is. But we used it to manipulate people to give money or to do this or to do that. And we said, if you sow this seed, then we're gonna put your name on a gold plaque on a tree in the foyer of the church. And you're gonna, or we're gonna send you some oil from flipping Israel. Praise God for the oil, that's awesome. But you know what I'm saying? But in our deconstruction of some of these things, Unfortunately, what we've done is we've swung the pendulum way over here. And we've 
accidentally knocked over the spiritual law in deconstructing this, which is good. That needed to come down. That was out of order. But what we've done at the same time is we've accidentally knocked over the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. And we've said, well, tithing was for the Old Testament. We're in a new and a better covenant now. And that's how toxic the giving culture got. The giving culture got so toxic that we had immature Christians even thinking that that's what preachers were saying. Preachers weren't saying that. Preachers weren't saying if you don't tithe, you don't go to heaven. Or when you do tithe, you're right with God. That's not what any preacher I've ever heard was saying. But because it wasn't taught correctly in its fullness on each side, it was just about give your money, sow this seed and you're gonna get 20 bucks back later this week, you know? That's a $2 offering, 100 fold. Come on, somebody. And my point is, is at times what we've done in order to be relevant, in order to be evangelistic, in order to be contemporary, in order to be all these different things as a church community, we've accidentally undone a whole lot of spiritual laws that are absolutely vital to how we live. In fact, I wanna suggest to you, I wanna, um, let me introduce a, a topic to you really quickly. Can we do that? Is that all right? It's this idea, now I believe that, this is just my personal belief. I believe, I'm gonna invite you up in a minute. Actually just, nah, you're good, stay there. Change my mind. I believe that we are made up of spirit, soul and body, okay? The Bible tells us, in fact, I believe it's in about Jeremiah versus chapter one, verse five or something like that. It says, before we were formed in our mother's womb, He knew us. How is that possible? Other than the fact that before the foundation of the world, our spirits existed with God. God created our spirits and our spirits existed with Him. It was, that's why in Genesis 1, it tells us that God created everything. Everything at that point that will ever be created was created by God. He said it was good, including our spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, kind of through to 2, kind of chapter 2, verses 6, we see the creation of mankind. In that one man, he put male and female and he pulled out of the man, Eve, the woman. Attached to that whole story is he said, I want you to be, this is something the Lord showed me this week. I want you to be fruitful and multiply, have dominion on the earth. And so dominion and our fundamental calling as human beings created in the image and likeness of God <laughs> is that we would have dominion. Not that we would dominate, but we would have dominion. We, God gave us authority over the earth. And that direct command is attached to male and female. And so you might be wondering why there is such an assignment on gender identity at the moment. And it's simply because if, if the enemy 
can confuse a generation about their gender, then He confuses them about their dominion. And so this attack on not gender is the vehicle, but the real attack is to take us away from the God person that God has created us, male and female, because when we are when when that is watered down, we stop accessing because the promise was to male and female. And so there's these spiritual blessings. And so spirit, soul and body, I believe that. You can find that in Genesis chapter one. You can read about it later. But what I wanna zoom in is this idea of the fact that we are kind of dualistic in how we live. Genesis chapter one. Are you in Judges chapter six by now? Praise God for you. We might get there. I might, might just be talking. But Genesis chapter one and verse one. Who can turn there for me quickly? Genesis chapter one, Matthew, you there? What version of the Bible you got, Matthew? Genesis chapter one, please, verse verse number one. (laughs) You can always try. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What we learn from that is that heaven is a multi-dimensional environment. Can I say that God, in our understanding, we have to categorise God and put Him in a place because that's how we understand life. But when God, you can't, how do I say this properly? The very fundamental truth of creating something is that you can't exist within that creation and create it. So God existed outside of what He was creating and created it. God, it says in the beginnings, the the book of Genesis, Genesis just simply means beginnings. It's a better, better name is called the book of beginnings realistically. And so God, in the beginnings, God created this multi-dimensional place. And one of those dimensions, the heavens, multiple heavens, multiple realms, the heavens and the earth. And this is really, 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 really important. He decided to create mankind and He placed mankind in earth. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter one, verses 26, it says, and God created man in his own image and in his likeness. See, the reason why the enemy dislikes you and I is because when mankind were created, it was in his heart, you can find this in Ezekiel, about 38 to 40, you can find it, it it shows us that 
It was actually the enemy that wanted to be in the image and likeness of God. He didn't actually wanna be God. That's a slight misinterpretation. It's a foolish interpretation too, because no created being, especially when it comes to God and not even one of the highest ranking angels. Satan wasn't that by the way, just so you know. He wasn't even one of the highest ranking angels. So what happens is, is he sees that mankind are created in the image of image and likeness of God. And attached to that image and likeness of God is this ability to create, this ability to act, I suppose, like God. And so there the serpent appears. You know the rest of the story. I'm telling you all this to let you know tonight that there, the, the, the thing that he, um, the thing that the enemy wanted more than anything is that mankind being created in the image of God were the only creature ever created in the spirit realm or the earth realm that could have a relationship with both the heavens and the earth. That's why there's no instruction for animals or anything like that to pray. Why? Because they don't have the ability created inside of them. They're not created in the image and the likeness of God. And so it's the platform of the soul. The soul, can I use a weird word in this context? But the soul is the technology that God put inside of us that allowed us to connect with the earth realm and have dominion and with the spirit realm and have dominion. That's why Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Part of your soul is your, well, your soul, they say is made up of your mind, your will and your emotions. It's that place of connectivity that is inside of mankind made in the image of God, but not inside of any other created thing. Somewhere along the way, are you with me so far? You're with me? We're not, we're all right? Still alive? And call out heresy if you want. Burn him at the stake. But the truth, the truth is, this is why the devil hates you. He hates me because we are the one created being in the entire cosmos that has this ability to operate in both realms with dominion. It's called the spiritual law of territory. We'll save that for another time because that, that is a long, that's a long chat. Let's do it over coffee sometime. But I want you to know tonight that this is why the enemy is pretty busy at getting us to be focused on this realm. So I spoke to you about spirit, soul and body. That's how I believe them. That's probably the easiest way of describing man's makeup, how God created us. But I wanna draw your attention to this kind of dualistic connection that you and I have in both worlds. And you and I cannot afford to ignore either. This isn't a conversation about one over the other. This is about a conversation about allowing the Spirit 
our spirit man, our spirit man to uh, our spirit man in connection with the Holy Spirit to be to uh, to have influence and be the decision maker in both. And so the 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 fear that I have and some of the rants that have been going on lately around this idea that we have a church that looks so good on Sundays. But if you look at them in the spirit, in the spirit realm, they look more like Schmeagel. For those of you that don't know who that is, he's this like weird skinny guy from Lord of the Rings. My precious, that guy, that little green goblin thing. <laughs> That's a bad confession, sorry. But I'm trying to help you to see, we look good. We've got the, the bling on the outside. We've got all the good things happening. We've got, it's, it's all good. Praise God, we have the form. Isaac brought the scripture to my attention this week. We have the form, but not the power because we are so preoccupied with this world. We live our lives by this world, but there is a system that God has put in place. There are laws, there are spiritual laws. The spirit realm is governed by a whole lot of laws, just like the natural realm. I'm just talking, I'm just talking amongst friends tonight. <laughs> is that all right? There's spiritual laws that govern the spirit realm, just like there are natural laws that govern the natural. And if all we're ever worried about is what's happening over here. So there's systems. One of those systems is the, is the or laws or principles in the spirit realm. There's contact points. That's a good way of saying it. There's contact points that God has given you and I as human beings access to influence the realm of the Spirit. One of those, if you ever feel depressed or down, the Bible gave us an access point into the Spirit realm to shift something over our lives. And when He spoke about through David, who got the revelation about putting on the garment of praise whenever you experience the spirit of heaviness. What's he saying? He's saying that there is a key that I'm giving you in the realm of the Spirit that if you would apply it, it's not gonna feel, it's gonna feel weird in the natural. It's almost gonna feel unnatural to be spiritual. It's gonna be un, feel unnatural to be spiritual. But when you put on the garment of praise and you just begin to praise God, I'm not talking about a fast song or it, it might be that for you, but I'm talking about really rising up in praise above what you're feeling and above what you're experiencing. That is a spiritual key. That is a contact point. That is something for you to take into your walk with Jesus and realise that the spirit of the world is a heavy place but you can be someone that puts on the garment of praise another contact point in the spirit is a, is made, I mean like there's so many sowing and reaping we've already spoken about haven't we whatsoever ye shall sow you shall reap there's a seed called whatsoever the seed of whatsoever. 
And when you sow that seed of whatsoever into, into ground, spiritual ground, you're gonna receive a harvest of that seed of whatsoever. Our problem is, is we view whatsoever as nothing. But that's why, listen to me, your words are seeds. And you're gonna reap a harvest of those words that you sow. They're gonna come back to you. Do you know why? I had this thought. I've been having so many great thoughts lately. Praise God for it. But even when we do child dedications, actually what we're doing is we're sowing a seed. We're putting a, a word in the ground of the Spirit where time does not exist in the way that we know it in this way. And we're putting a word in the ground for that child. When I pray for my kids, I'm putting a word in the ground in the spiritual soil of their lives and I'm prophesying over them. And that word is gonna be waiting for them when they're 17, 18, 19, 20, 25. When I start praying over them saying, God, you're gonna bring around the right person for their life partner. You're gonna bring around the right, you're gonna bring around, you're gonna put it in their spirit, Father, what you are calling them to do with their lives. And what I'm doing, is I'm putting in the ground, spiritually speaking, a word for their future that I might not reap the harvest of when MJ's nine years old. What do you wanna do with your life? I wanna play NBA. Don't tell him, but it's gonna be a challenge. Um, I take that word down in Jesus' Name and I declare maybe. Um, but you know what I'm saying? It's the law of sowing and reaping. You know, in heaven, God doesn't pray. There's no record of God praying in heaven. God doesn't pray. God, we pray, but God, what God does is God speaks. God speaks. But when God through, when God became man, what do we find Jesus doing a lot of? Praying. Because prayer is one of the most significant connection points. Are you listening to me? Prayer is one of the most significant connection points into the spirit realm. Listen, this is why Jesus didn't, he, this is why Jesus said, my house should be called a house of, why? Because it's a contact point. It's a part of, if you wanna access and have influence in a spiritual realm, the vehicle by which Jesus showed us you do that is through prayer. Can I give you four quick things around prayer? Can we just do a bit of a deep dive on prayer? Is that all right? Just close Gideon, we'll do some other scriptures. We'll do that another time. The ministry of prayer. Four things I want you to know about prayer. Write these down and then we'll unpack them. Number one. The first assignment of prayer, number one, is for growth and transformation. Growth and transformation. I promise you this is gonna help. The second assignment of prayer is for spiritual legislation. Spiritual legislation. The third Assignment of prayer, am I going too fast? Hey. Number one, growth and transformation. Number two, 
The second assignment of prayer is for spiritual legislation. Number three, the third assignment of prayer is to make requests and obtain promises. And the fourth assignment of prayer is for warfare and intercession. A lot of our prayer, there's been a lot of energy around prayer, especially in Pentecostal circles. I grew up in a space where, and I still do it to this day, so I'm not mocking it, but I'm a, I'm a walker. Got any other walkers here? I'm a pacer. I'm like, yeah, Ehab. I'm like, I'm a walker. And I'm just, I'm gonna wear a hole in my floor. You know what I'm saying? I'm one of these guys, shaka hasete. office and there's a lot of prayer at times there's a lot of energy but there's not a lot of effect (laughs) there's a lot of engagement in prayer but sometimes there's lacking spiritual intelligence in prayer there's a lot of activity there's not a lack of understanding spiritual understanding This is why in Luke chapter 18, verse one, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us how to pray. Had nothing to do with the fact that they weren't praying. It had everything, they were in a prayerful culture as the Jewish people. It had everything to do with them observing Jesus' prayer life and seeing that when Jesus prayed, things actually took place. Can I just go on and can I just have a preaching moment for a moment right now? I believe that the churches that God's raising up in this time are gonna be the churches that pray prayers and the prayers actually come to pass, come on. I believe that they're gonna be the churches that God is raising up churches in this time that are gonna pray and those prayers are gonna literally, practically, physically be answered. I believe and I wanna prophesy that there are churches that are gonna be so known for their prayer and for their effectiveness in prayer People are gonna bring their dead, they're gonna bring their sick, they're gonna bring their lost, they're gonna bring their broken, they're gonna bring their bills, they're gonna bring a whole lot of things and they're just gonna say, can you please pray? And we as the church are gonna say yes. And so they say, can you pray? Would you mind opening a verse in the Bible? You got a phone? Is that all right? Just maybe 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Anyone know what that is off by heart? Pray without, oh, scholar. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty four. there's a conversation about faith and prayer. But it doesn't say if you pray, it says when you pray. In other words, prayer is a priority for the believer. Listen to me, attendance is not a priority as a believer. It's a byproduct because you understand the value of community and corporate worship. You don't need to be, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but you don't need to be convinced to, to attend. 
You don't need to, oh, look at that nice social media poster posting or that. Oh, look, we've got that guest speaker and then all of a sudden the church is full. No, you're there because you see the value and the importance of being in and connecting and belonging to a community of believers. And you understand, you, you're, you're not the people that come to church to get something. You're the people that come to church to give something. Yeah? Can I hear an amen? Or just even a maybe? Or just even a, every now and then we do that. <laughs> Sometimes I can't be bothered, but I just... Ah. And I want to say this about prayer before I unpack these four things really quickly. Number, or the, the thing that I want to say is that you're not growing. It's impossible to grow spiritually if you're not growing in prayer. And I'm saying that um, almost as a definitive statement God, I want to say this as a disclaimer, He works way beyond Matt Garner's definitive statements. So He can, He moves. But I'm saying it in that way because I want you to understand today the value and the importance of prayer. It is the mode of connection. It's a connection point that you and I have to connect into this spirit realm and into this place where God is calling us to have an influence. You can have the best strategy and vision and buildings, but we've just seen how fruitless those things can be. We've just seen how a government, a global pandemic can break out and all of a sudden those big buildings that we put millions and millions and millions of dollars into and we thank God for them. We, I'm so thankful that there are church buildings and all those sorts of things that we can gather in. Praise God for it. We are gonna need more of those buildings as time goes on, I'm telling you right now. We are, because there is gonna come a time where the government are gonna say, you can't meet as a church in state-owned buildings. I'm just telling you, that's gonna happen. So we need churches, we need the church to own land and property, 100%, no doubt in my mind. Just clarifying that in case you thought we were just gonna meet in a park somewhere. but we've got to be a praying people. I need you to understand that we've got to pray. So the first assignment of prayer is for growth and transformation, Luke 9, 29. Do you know that Scripture? It's where Jesus goes up on Mount Transfiguration. Well, He goes up on a mountain and He's transfigured. He's changed, check this out. Luke 9. I'll just give you these quickly and then we'll go home. Luke 9, 29. Now it came to pass about eight days, which is the biblical number for, for new beginnings. After these sayings, he took Peter, John and James and went up on a mountain to pray. This is Jesus. <laughs> and as he prayed, everyone say, as as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became as became white and glistened, white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory, and the smoke 
Sorry, and he spoke, thank you. And he spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. The first assignment of prayer is for your transformation. Are you like me where you're just like sick of living with some stuff that you just wanna shift? I went through this moment where um, I had some stuff in my heart and it was challenging in my own strength to try and deal with it. I, just did, I, I couldn't. And like I was good on so many levels, but I was not at the same time. Like, does that make sense? But I knew it was attached to some really deeply rooted stuff that was inside of me that come from my story of origin, from my childhood, from my environment that I grew up in. And this was just like a trigger to those things. And many years ago now, I felt the Lord actually speak to me and rebuke, rebuke me and say, that, that's not gonna change without prayer and fasting. And I was like, didn't you say that about demons? He's like, well, you read between the lines. Because some of these changes, I'm just being honest, some of you need to enter into some self-deliverance. You're not ready for me tonight. I've come out of prayer and fasting. I'm, I'm in a crazy space. But some of you are carrying spirits that you're not even aware of that you're carrying. Oh, I don't want to scare you tonight. Isaac, don't encourage me. Because th there are just some things that we allow to fester. Like, you know, one of the spiritual laws is around, like if you have an issue with your brother or your sister, leave your gift at the altar, go and sort that out with them and then come and do your worship thing. Because there's a, there's a spiritual law that says, if you can't be aligned here, it's gonna be very difficult to be aligned there. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm talking about inheriting the kingdom of God. You can, you, like God is so gracious. People are gonna be in heaven that we're just like, wow, how'd you get here? And they're gonna be thinking the same about you and I. I'm just being honest. I'm being really honest. They are. How the heck did you get in? I don't know. Jesus, the grace of God. Me too. Wow. That's just the truth. This isn't about like salvation. Move beyond that. This is about you entering into maturity and you carrying the kingdom of God everywhere you go. And so the first assignment of prayer, some change will not take place in your life until you go into that deep place of prayer. And it was day seven of a really deep place of prayer that I'm not prepared to talk about at this point in time. But I'll just say that it was, it was on day seven of this, of this um, prayer and fasting that I was in, where the Lord took me into a deep place that I never even knew existed. And He showed me things that had been influencing my, He showed me, He showed me how a, a oh, I just don't wanna weird people out. Don't wanna weird, I don't wanna weird you out too much. But He showed me, through, he showed me how a demonic spirit had got into our family. 
And then He took me into a place of intercession to stand in the gap for generations that had gone before me to repent on behalf of them. And as a result of that moment, there was the greatest encounter that I've experienced in my life in the last 20 years. And a transfiguration moment happened. And I'm trying to say this, not to say that I'm all better and different and everything's good. I pray, praise, praise God that I, I feel free in a whole lot of places. Absolutely. Have I got a long journey in front of me? Totally. Am I imperfect? Yes. Am I more spiritual than you? No. But some of these transformational moments that you desire so deeply, they are not gonna come in this environment. They're not gonna come through a hand being laid on your head. They're only gonna come when you actually go into the depths of God and allow, more importantly, allow God to go into the depths of you and start speaking to you about your father and your mother and start speaking to you about how these different influences have shaped who you are, but that's not what I want. This is what I want. You know what I'm saying? The first assignment of prayer is for that. The second assignment of prayer is for spiritual legislation. You say, what spiritual legislation? Legislate, well, we have legislation, so you might understand it in a more practical, earthly way but it is the ability to make decrees and manifest possibilities in your life. And if you and I are not rich in our prayer life, then we're gonna live limited in this life because the manifestation of destiny, the manifestation of heaven on earth is connected to our decree. And so when we pray and when we decree, the assignment, one of the assignments of prayer is for spiritual legislation to decree things in the realm of the Spirit. Like I said before, it's like we're prophesying. It's like we're declaring those things that are not as if they already were. And when we decree over our future and our destiny, we are actually shifting something in the Spirit realm. Do you know that passage of Scripture in the Bible where it says, if two or three agree concerning anything, it shall be done. Do you know where that thought comes from? Comes from this idea where the Roman centurions or Romans would come and they would send a herald to bring a decree, right? And they would come and they'd enter into a town and they'd have, um, that everyone would gather in that town and they'd all be sitting down on the ground and they'd be sitting there and they'd be um, listening to this person and the leader or the person with the decree or the legislation or the, the word on behalf of the King, he would stand up in front of the, that community. And he would say, I decree, I don't know exactly what he would say, but I'm gonna say it how I want it to sound for the sermon. I decree, full disclosure, I decree and I declare, and He would then communicate His message on behalf of the King to those people. And then what would happen is the people would stand up in agreement to agree with that decree. That's why I like secretly, that's why I like standing and preaching, but anyway, that's a side note. That's why at times I stand in preaching, but anyway, that's a side note. I'm always preaching, so I'm always standing, so I'm always agreeing with myself.
And so it would become, whenever that decree was agreed with, it would become law. And friend, I want you to understand today that when you begin to pray, when you pray and when you declare, there is a spiritual decree that takes place and you actually make things legal in the realm of the Spirit. Let's quickly go to Job chapter 22, verse eight. I'm giving you lots of scriptures. Job 2, sorry, Job 22, 28. Do you wanna go home? Soon, you were all too quiet then, so I could tell your answer. Job 22, 28. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. I taught you a couple of weeks ago, maybe months ago now, that light represents spiritual knowledge. And it says, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light, spiritual knowledge will shine on your ways, right? So when you declare a thing, when you declare a thing, it will be established. It becomes law. It becomes law. And I want to say this as a provocative statement today. Do not ever complain about a day that you did not speak into. Do not ever complain about a day that you did not speak into. I want you to see your life and your destiny like, like you're the film director. And you get to allow or disallow what the narrative and who the characters are in the movie that you're producing and you're the main star of the show. You get to allow it. A spiritual father of mine used to always say, your words create your world. And what he was saying is a true thing. He was saying that when you declare things, you are creating things. When you declare things, when you speak things out as someone in the image and likeness of God, you create an atmosphere and an environment for those things to actually take place. Let's just rush through these. Um, the third assignment of prayer is to make requests and obtain promises. I referred to it before, but I'll quickly turn to it now. Mark eleven twenty four. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. But whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask in prayer, believe that you've received them and you will have them. Philippians chapter three. So we see there, I'm gonna go to Philippians chapter three, but we see there that Jesus is teaching on faith. But he says that the platform by which faith works is through the vehicle of prayer. And so when you're believing for something, you've got to pray about it. 
You've got to pray about it. Keep turning, Matt. You've got to pray about it. You've got to be in that place of prayer. Why prayer? Prayer is such a weird thing when you think about it. Because prayer is that place of accessing the system that God created by which we speak and interact, not just with this realm, but with the other realm. Most of the things, by the way, that are happening in this realm are literally a byproduct of what's happening in that realm. So as we come full circle back to the start and we talk about the dualism of who we are as spirit people, but also physical people, right? My prayer that you would ask the question tonight, what do I look like in the spirit realm? And it's my prayer that God would show you. My prayer that God would show you what you can look like in Him, amen? Because it's all Him, it's all just receiving Him. Philippians chapter three, verses number six and seven, we're talking about the assignment of prayer to make requests and obtain promises. If destiny is just a thing that happens, right? Or healing's just a thing that's just gonna happen or blessing's just a thing that's gonna happen, why doesn't it just happen? God wants to interact with us, that's why. And so God brings this thing called prayer that He goes, I want you to make your request known to me. If God is omniscient, if He's omnipresent, doesn't He know? Of course He knows. But the vehicle, the system, the technology by which that thing that is in the spirit realm is then manifested in this natural realm happens through prayer. Yeah, you with me? So prayer is like one of God's transportation devices to get what has already happened in the spirit realm into this realm. So Isaac, do you remember where that scripture is, man? Where um, heavenly places. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one. Thank you, Isaac, scholar and great person. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, it says, that, um, it, says, it says that God has given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. The problem is, is we don't need blessings in heaven. We need them on earth. When you get to heaven, perfections happened. So prayer becomes this transportation device from what has already been established and accomplished in Christ into earth. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus said, when they said, teach us how to pray in Matthew chapter six, He said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your Name, Your Kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is. It's already happened in heaven. And the church, one of the church's primary functions is to be a giant manifestation of heaven on earth. Amen. Philippians chapter three, verses six and seven simply says this. It says, uh, uh, let's read, sorry. Is that right? Six and seven. But what? That's not right. Be anxious for nothing, four, six and seven. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, Listen to this, 
but everything by prayer and supplication, make with thanksgiving, there's the heart piece, let your requests be made known to God. Why does God not know? Of course He knows. He's trying to help you to see that prayer is the thing that takes that thing that's already been achieved and accomplished by Jesus and brings it into your world here, here and now. And so that's why some of those deep transformation moments can't take place except through the place of prayer. And the last one is the fourth assignment of prayer is for warfare and intercession. Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. It's an interesting scripture that when you start digging into it. Rulers of darkness. Well, if spiritual light is knowledge, if light is spiritual knowledge, darkness is ignorance. And there's a demonic force of ignorance that invades the church. If my my people perish for a lack of, because they're ignorant, there's ignorance. Ignorance always leads. No, I won't say always, but ignorance often leads to destruction. And so this is why in that place of prayer, we must understand that there's worship and intercession. And can I just say, I'm not suggesting you tonight that you have the, we have four components of prayer that we practice in different parts. I'm just trying to help you to see that flow of how prayer can happen when you start really going in for prayer. Now, listen to me. I want you to hear me, hear me really, really clearly today. Prayer meetings are a great thing. Attend them. They're a good thing. Come along to them when we have them. Corporate prayer is a powerful thing. We gather online over Zoom still. Can you believe it? That's one of the other reasons why I reckon we need a building just so we can get together more. Pray. Man, imagine some all night prayer meetings. Come on, somebody. When we're not getting kicked out by security because we are the security. (laughs) I shouldn't have had that nap this afternoon. I haven't woken up quite right. Oh, but the truth is, oh my goodness, it's so good. It's the, it's the flow of prayer as we do relationship with the Spirit. Can I be honest with you? When I had that encounter with the Lord, I didn't plan on it. There wasn't like this road or plan that I walked down. It was just a Spirit-led spontaneous thing. Can't even explain it. Not even gonna bother trying. It just happened. But what didn't just happen accidentally is me being in that place of prayer. So attend prayer meetings, they're awesome. But listen, you're not not too young or too old to start really pressing into prayer, really pressing in. Start small, 100%. Make prayer a part of your life, 100%. Stop every day, every day that you think about the next caffeine fix that you need. I have a home, like work from home at this point in time, most days when I'm not out, but anytime now I'm thinking about coffee, I'm like, that's my trigger to think about Jesus. Oop, there it goes. Oop, there it goes. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? 
Have, some, have something, put a piece of paper in your pocket. One of those sticky notes, but cut off the sticky part, otherwise it might wreck your pocket. And just have, put, put prayer on it and pray. And make prayer a part of the culture of your life, absolutely. That's why Paul told us to pray without ceasing. How do you do that? It's a prayer culture that we must embrace. But that does not excuse us. Because here's, here's where we've put a full stop. Pastors have not placed a demand on you to grow spiritually. And I come here with all humility tonight. I really do. Like I want you to, I come, my heart is for you. My heart is because I can see prophetically in my spirit. It's a great gift and a great challenge at the same time because I can see in my spirit who God's calling you to be at times. God shows me that about people in this church, about the potential and the destiny and the exciting time ahead. <laughs> and I'm say, so I'm saying this with humility for your growth, but pastors have kept you immature because they've said, just have a prayer culture. Just think about Jesus when you're having a coffee. Just let's make your spirituality as comfortable as possible. Just don't, just, just do what you can. Pat, 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 Johnny. It's all gonna be good. I know you're just learning. Everything's gonna be okay. It's gonna be fine. You're gonna be all right. Yeah, yeah. Try next time, you know. Was that too long? <laughs> and so we've kept you shallow. And we haven't had the boldness because we've wanted to keep you so comfortable and keep you attending and keep you giving and keeping you all happy, clappy and keep happy family. But I'm tired of us. I want us to be happy, clappy family. I love that. That's what I want for my own family and the spiritual family. But I don't want to miss the power of God for me and for my generation. And so whilst I'm saying start where you're at, that's all you've got. You're not gonna turn into a prayer warrior overnight. It doesn't happen like that. It's a development of character and time and discipline of years and years and years. So just start with what you've got right now. It's like exercise. Honestly, that's probably the best analogy. The longer you have an exercise for, the harder it is to get back into it. But the more and more you progress, it becomes easier, it becomes habit, it becomes a part of life. But I wanna tell you, God's calling some people in this room into long extended seasons of prayer. And so 10 minutes is good, half an hour is great, an hour is great. But some of you, God's calling you to put days aside to just be in His presence and pray. And I sense this specifically, I'm prophesying right now, this is a word of knowledge for people that you know you've got issues in your heart that you haven't been able to deal with and you've kind of done everything, but now you're just in the motion, do you know what I'm saying? Of just kind of like, well, I don't really know what to do about that. And the Lord's given you a key tonight. Can we stand? Let's pray. Let's go home. Wonderful Lord Jesus, I appreciate you listening to me tonight. 
And I pray that something's been imparted into your spirit, something more than just information, but something deep into your spirit today. And so Lord Jesus, we present ourselves, we bring ourselves before you. Take us deeper, Lord, that's what we want. Take us deeper, Lord, that's what we want. Teach us your ways. Show us where we've drunk the Kool-Aid of our culture and where we've been discipled by our culture and not discipled by your Word. Show us where we've focused more on this 3D world in an unhealthy way. Like David prayed, teach us your ways, O God. That's what he prayed. This is just coming to me right now. Teach us your ways, O God. Revive us in your ways because there's a way that we need reviving in. And Lord, we don't need reviving in a worldly way. We don't need reviving in the strategies of man. We need reviving in your ways. Because Father, your ways are higher than our ways. In other words, they exist in a realm that we don't understand without going and searching for the revelation. And we thank You, Lord, that You haven't hidden that revelation from us, but You've hidden that revelation for us. And so, Father, we press into that place of prayer. And I pray that You will light a fire and a passion and a desire for prayer and for spiritual things. I pray, Father, right now, there's a whole lot of souls that have walked into this room that are carrying the name, they're carrying a name, they're carrying an identity, they're carrying a way that the world has labelled them. But I'm, I thank You, Lord, that through the process of prayer, I thank You, Lord, that You're gonna reveal to them their spiritual name, their spiritual identity. Lord, there's, there's Gideons that you've, you've called to be Jerubbabels. This, this, yeah, Father, thank You, Lord, for that. Thank You for that. There's, there's Simons that You're calling to be Peters, Father. There's reeds that are easily shaken that You're calling and prophesying over them to be rocks and to be something that the house of God is built upon. And so, Father, today, Holy Spirit, we need Your help. We need your help. We need you to help us to pray. We need you to help us to pray. In the name of Jesus.